We didn't really introduce ourselves, should we? Y'all could. They know who I am. They know me. Welcome to the Hashing It Out podcast, where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. Your hosts are Dr. Corey Petty, currently doing research at Status and waiting for other people to keep up. You can't make the, the intro that seamless from let's bring it in. You got to like pause. Jesse Santiago, a former electrical engineer now working on decentralized storage at Status. He sounds exactly how you would think a Lil Wang would sound. And with the deep voice and the deep questions, Dee Ferguson. I am recording, but yes, I am done with the pasta. And I'm the Hashing It Out showrunner, Christian Noguera. Well, not in this. This is just like, eh. Hashing Out is sponsored by DraftKings. Have you heard about DraftKings Marketplace? It's the place to snag the latest digital collectibles across sports, entertainment, and culture. DraftKings has released their first ever NFT fantasy game, Rainmakers Football. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can collect the hottest player card NFTs while playing free for millions in prizes. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. And playing is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code BITCOIN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first full roster starter pack for free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code BITCOIN. Build, play, win only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the first episode of the Consensus Layer in our series on blockchain infrastructure with guest Mo Jalazai. I want to say this off the bat. is Now we're getting to the juice. Yeah, we're getting to the juice. Well, man, Jesse's just smashing down that mango right now as... You guys might remember from what the headers, he likes fruit. I like fruit. We love fruit. But, man, that's taking it back. <laughs> we never got that sponsorship, by the way. Just Anyways, consensus. What I will say is that we're getting to the juice now. Uh, the juice, I like the way you made that face, Corey. And the juice is people that know what the hell they're talking about about their field. Right. Like we were asking people about hardware and they were like, I don't know, man, I just un- I just got what's in my PlayStation five and I run a note on that. And I'm like, that's not what we're trying to like. What's on the chips, man? Like, let's get into the meat of it. But we're talking to Mo and he said a lot. I'm going to lie you like every seven words. I was like, oh, man, it's a latency right there. I'm latency on me. Understand what the hell this man is talking about. But I do like that. We got a lot kind of explain there i feel like i know the difference between a leader oh wait i don't want to give up the juice so you guys are gonna have to listen to the you guys are gonna have to listen to the juice but i will say i'm excited at what i just heard because i feel like i learned something from someone who's like a super a specialist in the game he's a vet in the game so i am pleased that um 
this episode, we definitely got into more of the um, trade-offs and specific types of requirements or properties you're looking for when thinking about the different types of consensus algorithms and how like it's really subtle on what people are trying to aim for and the trade-offs you end up making whenever you choose to optimize for a specific one. And I think that's something that I was wanting to get out of a good portion of all these episodes is like with every single thing that you're doing in blockchain network, you're making some trade-off because you're optimizing for something. I mean, the goal of course is to try and maximize as many of these properties as possible. But at the end of the day, fundamentally, you're not going to be able to. And I'm trying to get more clarity on that throughout the entire series of like, what are the different trade-offs that you can make and what are the like, consequences of making it in a given direction and we got i think we got some of that for this episode i'd like for somebody to make like a a sound mixer with each slider being the variables of security scalability um you know fairness whatever other parameters mo mentioned that affect the design of consensus and i would like to see rather than you know everybody mentioned in bucket uh the taxonomy of like the different types of consensus into proof of work, proof of stake. I would like specific application uh, targets for blockchains and then the associated like sound mixing panel that kind of shows you, okay, where are the trade-offs being made and what specific for that blockchain how are they adjusting their parameters for that application what do you that they're developing? Mean by sound you mean like a DJ? Panel. You know, like you like, a, like a like a you like just a web plot. You of? just want like the actual little levers. You want to see it on like a chart. What I what I'm picturing when you when you say this is like those spider web plots you get. Like, could you have a yeah, bunch like of different on the axes of things, and then whenever you like, like I say, like look at. Bitcoin proof of work. It's it's good at this, bad at this, that. And then you see like the spider web across all the different degrees of properties that you want. Did I also botch that description? <laughs> it's it's I don't know what you mean by mixer. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like share my screen and we can go for it. This is an so, audio podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well, I can explain it. Right now, really? Jesse is on have this, GitHub. Have this up. Right now, Jesse's on GitHub and Jesse's is. actually on a Jupyter notebook. So what I want is I I'm want like code. this sort We're of panel. Code. What you're making currently? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, I want I want what I'm making. I want this, just this, right? Vertical sliders. You're looking at a bunch of vertical all, sliders with different parameters. Parameters of of a the Parameters are. And so, yeah, like, and what's know, the output one to ten cap. security, right? One to ten scalability, and then ten means you know you're scaling to ten thousand nodes. You know, security of ten means. Um, it's on par with, I don't know, what's an equivalent? What's what's the most well, I think that may be difficult. I, I like the idea because like it's just a good idea of like, hey, this is the type of blockchain I want. What's the appropriate op like optimal consensus algorithm for this, right? A network. He wants blockchain trading cards. That's what my man wants. In some cases, I hope the majority of the output just says a database. <laughs> so no actual sound. You just want the buttons. I just I thought you meant like legit sound, like you want mixer board. He just wants a bunch of when you said mixer board, he's talking about just a bunch of dials. Uh, I thought he meant that was a visualization. He's just looking, he's looking for 
yeah, just a bunch of dials. And then and then wait, wait, you set all the after you set all the dials, it'll just spit out. Okay, you go with this design for your consensus algorithm, and then you're done. That's it. My question is, what do is <laughs> at what point do you launch? Right, like there's different degrees of um, severity. Like in my eyes, like if the risk is death, then, you know, you better make sure that you got a lot of boxes checked. If the risk is people losing money, then there's a little bit less than death, right? If the risk is people losing time for some reason, there's less boxes checked than money and death, right? So with blockchain, like at what point do you say, okay, we've got all these dynamics to take into consideration and we're not going to check all these boxes. Let it ride. Like when do you get to that point? I mean, you should have some level of confidence that if I mean, you should go into a project, if you're going to build a network, mm -hmm. knowing what the requirements of the network is supposed to do, what's the point of the network? What is the optimal like level of scale you're looking for? What is the network doing? And once you are at a point of having confidence that it does all those things and it satisfies all the requirements and you have, you've done, you have evidence that backs up those, that, that confidence then you deploy it. But like in the absence of confidence, you can always deploy things limitedly and to gain more confidence and then add it in later. And so you have like a continuous rollout of features and functionality, which is what a lot of things have done throughout the past. I mean, I look at, look at Avalanche is a good example of this. They started out with a consensus algorithm and they did whatever they could to build a network around that consensus algorithm and adapted the C chain for the most part to get a lot of stuff, but like, but a lot of the functionality that they're looking for, that is the kind of bread and butter of what Avalanche thinks is special about Avalanche mm -hmm. is yet to be like fleshed out, which is mostly like all the variability and subnets and ex exploration with that type of stuff. And so like, you just have a continual release with the stuff that you're confident about and then add that, add the features and functionality later once that's stable and rock solid. And you can then take another like kind of risky leap to try something new and you do that in a uh in a way that's kind of concerted that allows you to make sure in the event of a failure you're not overwhelmed by the devastation of that failure so you have mm -hmm. mitigation strategies and if you do too much then there's a lot of potential of like you're not going to catch it or you can't handle it if it happens and so mm -hmm. like that's kind of the deployment strategy of these things is gain as much confidence as you can around the around satisfying the requirements that you have and then roll out like iteratively to make sure that you can manage any potential failures that you should already know about in the first place. I was hoping for a short answer. I didn't get one. So there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot well, of I mean, boxes Think about what check. Mo said, right? Like this, it's incredibly complex. There's a lot of different moving parts and considerations to make and we've we've had that same situation across every part of the stack right like even we're not even halfway through uh so like you have to try and watch all this stuff simultaneously and it's a lot of moving pieces fitting together in a large like orchestration it just feels like there's no tangents sometimes like from one dependency to another one dynamic to another there's no one single thing like okay if i just focus on fixing this part then it'll make sure i'm straight 
for like if I just focus on this part of performance, then I can maximize performance and still check the box for um, shit. I can't even remember the other thing that he said at this point in time. Security. Right. And if I just like this secure, then that checks the box for this. But then by checking that box for maybe fairness and security, you've now unchecked the box for performance. Right. You've unchecked it. Well, you need to prioritize like whack-a-mole. You have to prioritize and then you you have to live with compromises on the other things that you've not prioritized for because it's like a what is this like a trilemma or I mean, there's there's fundamentally the process of optimizing for one means you cannot optimize the other ones. It's kind of like in physics, you have the wave particle duality. Mm -hmm. Whenever you try to focus things to look like a particle, they do, but you lose the wave nature. If you look for the wave, you lose the particle nature. So like you can't have both at the same time based on like fundamental part of physics. You can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> unless you have a lot, unless you have a lot of cake. Nailed it. In the last 10 years, more than $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers. Our new sponsor, the Zengo crypto wallet is a game changer bringing wallet security to a whole new level. Check out Zengo and you'll find an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability, leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which until now had only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. And don't forget that Zengo has legendary in-app 24-7 live support with real humans. Zengo is a secure Web3 wallet and your crypto, NFTs and assets are fully recoverable using a biometric recovery kit. Get started at zengo.com slash tbppod and use the code tbppod to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's zengo.com slash tbppod. That's code tbppod for $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Hashing It Out. We are now in the consensus section of the um, what goes into building a blockchain series. Today we have Mo. How do I pronounce this? Jalalzai? Jalalzai. I was close. From yeah, yeah, I was close enough. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is a consensus researcher at Status. He works with me currently and um, does a lot of protocol research specifically towards consensus, although you are uh, adept at general distributed systems, I'd say. Um, yeah, welcome to the show and do the normal thing by kind of telling us who you are, where you come from, your background, what you're into. Uh, uh, thank you, Corey. Um, uh, my background is uh, basically designing... Um, reliable distributed systems. Uh, so um, I did my PhD on improving the performance and security of uh, Byzantine for tolerant consensus. So there is always this tension between the security and performance. And, um, how you can improve both, that, that, that's a very critical challenge. Uh, at least you improve one without compromising the other aspect. That's, that's what I do in the same research I did during my postdoc. So here at the status, um, we, we are working on many different uh, interesting challenges. So uh, uh, the consensus, um, 
developing a highly scalable and secure uh, consensus algorithm. And then um, many other, um, there are many other uh, interesting problems in the field of distributed computing here that we want to address, but I won't go into detail. <laughs> but that's, that, that's what I do. So my expertise in the um, uh, distributed systems and how we can improve the performance without compromising the security and vice versa. That. Yeah. So up until now, the series, the kind of the show series that we've tried to have is um, we've established the types of devices that are typically involved with blockchain networks and also um, what the networks look like, specifically peer to peer networks and some of the trade offs there. Now we've moved into consensus. Do you want to give us a kind of overview of? What is distributed consensus or Byzantine fault tolerant consensus, and um, a little bit of the history behind it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the process of reaching agreement uh, or a value or a state by um, uh, by unreliable parties or unreliable asynchronous network is is, is basically the, uh, what we call consensus. And consensus is not a new topic; it has been spun like more than three decades of uh, research. Um, the most important um, um, impossibility result by um, Fisher, Lynch, um, and Patterson was that at the 1983 basically kicked off the, uh, the race in this area that it is not possible to achieve consensus even if there is a possibility that a one node, a single node fails in the network. Basically, the two important properties of the consensus that we have, the safety and liveness. Safety means once a value is committed by honest node, it will never be uh, replaced. And then liveness means the protocol will always make uh, progress. It will never install um, uh, indefinitely. So if a node or if a party, if you want to ping or connect or, uh, another server and then you do not receive a response, you can never reliably say that that node had failed. Maybe your message did not reach. Maybe your message takes longer time to reach that node. Maybe that node is too slow or maybe the node breaks down. So there is no reliable way to know that if someone had failed or not. Therefore, um, this makes impossible uh, an asynchronous network. Um, but then there are other ways to circumvent this, this impossibility theory, like having some bound um, over the communication network. But however, this, this, this was basically the, the beginning of the research on, the, on that area. So this result was for crash fault tolerance. So then we have had multiple crash fault tolerant consensus protocol like the Paxos families. And then the Paxos was initially not very practical. And then we saw different variants of it like fast Paxos and, and, and then Raft, which is like more uh, practical and, and is being used. And uh, some of Google uh, data centers still use the uh, uh, variant of Paxos. And then at the same time, there was also um, uh, in a, a concurrent research work on the Byzantine fault tolerant consensus protocol, um, uh, which also includes a crash 
fault tolerance. So Byzantine fault tolerance causes uh, Byzantine fault tolerance means you have malicious nodes too. So in addition to failure to recover from failure, we now we also have nodes that are malicious, and then they are free to do whatever they want as long as we bound them to a specific uh, number in the network. So this make, made the protocol way more complex. And we did not have a very efficient Byzantine fault tolerant consensus protocol until late 1990s when um, uh, Barbara Lisko and uh, her um, a group came up with the PBFT or practical Byzantine fault tolerant protocol. And most of the uh, Byzantine fault tolerant consensus protocol PBFT based are BFT based are basically a variant of PBFT. And but most of the, these protocols were mostly used in data centers to provide um, reliable services and um, data consistency for different services like database consistency or maybe a distributed logs and, and some other use cases. But then with the introduction of um, Bitcoin in 2008, then the game kind of changed. Uh, the previous protocols all basically reach achieve the consensus through exchange of messages and, and words. And due to this exchange of large number of messages and verification of these messages, these protocols cannot scale. On the other hand, now Bitcoin uses proof of work, and then you don't have kind of a voting mechanism to reach the agreement, but it's based on the proof of work. So this allowed the Bitcoin to scale to a large number of nodes which adds improves the decentralization. And then the proof of work um, is, is kind of an amazing um, uh, mechanism to add an additional randomization to the protocol and, and that helps to improve the security and kind of also allow some fairness because there is a randomization in the network. Um, and then the main goal of the uh, uh, Bitcoin network or blockchains are now not only provide kind of okay consistent services called consistency, but it's more now about trust. So the emphasis is now more on the trust because we do not trust a single node in the network, but as long as majority are honest, we we believe that the network would behave uh, uh, honestly and. And Bitcoin, because there is a high degree of decentralization, was able to provide a degree, a high degree of trust to the users. But then, again, it has compromised. Uh, sorry, it has made a trade-off, which is uh, in the form of uh, performance throughput as well as a latency. So, as we know, the throughput in the Bitcoin network is really low. It's uh, this is uh, uh, less than 10 transactions per second. And the latency uh, can range from uh, several minutes to several hours. Um, so that's the compromise that Bitcoin has made. Um, and, and then there's a research going on currently on how to 
achieve scalability in terms of large number of nodes, but we also want to keep to improve the performance um, in terms of lower latency and higher throughput. Um, currently, we, ha we have not achieved that, although there are different, uh, uh, several research groups are trying to achieve that. Uh, some group uses um, uh, variant of protocols with um, leaders, some use leaderless, some have combined BFT and um, uh, proof of work together, but we, we are still not there. We, we do not have a very scalable consensus protocol, but also a very efficient consensus protocol. And so that's, I think, current status that the, what we are in. Can you break down like what, maybe, maybe the, I don't want this to be too long of a question, but like intuitively you're like, Hey, we can't trust any node in this network, but if every node tells us the same thing, we can trust it. So like, like on a human level, I'm like, okay, let's assume they're all liars, but wait a second. They're all telling me the same thing, but wait, they're all liars. So how do I believe it? Like, you know what I mean? How do you mathematically justify that consensus taking place? Uh, that's always just baffling. So the assumption is that it's hard to compromise majority of nodes in the network. Um, it, it's, it's this uh, same like the democracy. Um, uh, we assume that majority of people that vote, they will um, uh, listen to their consciousness and then vote based on the uh, best interests of everyone. So th this is it's the same way. We also assume that the majority will be honest. And, and technically, it's also hard to control majority of nodes. So that's why one of the reasons that the scalability in terms of numbers is important, because it adds decentralization and it, it adds, it increases the number of nodes and also the number of faults that we can tolerate. So uh, the greater number of nodes that we can support in the network, generally it translates to greater number of faults or malicious nodes that we can tolerate. So uh, uh, for example, if we have 1000 nodes in the network and one, we can tolerate one third of malicious nodes, then it's very hard for someone to compromise 300 nodes. But if you have 10 nodes in the network and you cannot scale, it's way easier to compromise three nodes in the network. So um, that's why um, th this assumption basically gets holds and the probability of it getting hold is, is stronger when we have a greater network or more scalability. Okay. But yes, that's a, but that that's it is yeah that we that's the base of assumption. But if the assumption breaks, then basically the protocol is broken. You mentioned at the end of their, your kind of dis description of distributed consensus um, that we haven't quite made the improvement that we're looking for yet across the board. People are trying to increase performance across all of the different attempts at changing consensus. What is the trade-off? Like, what is the why why hasn't like what is the metric you use for trying to understand whether or not um, that has been done successfully? So uh, may, mainly it's um, uh, the trade-off um, with, with the scalability 
there are uh, uh, various trade off so one of the general trade off that are made is kind uh, something called responsiveness this property means that when the protocol uh, when so in case of the lidl protocol or even in the case of lidl's protocol as long as the protocol operates with the speed of y this means the protocol does not depend on some timing assumption to reach the agreement then the protocol is responsive so such protocols are usually very fast you just receive a message or a certain number of message and then you know you reached the agreement so this you have very low latency but when you scale when you increase the number of nodes then it's hard to wait for for example thousands of message and verify all those thousands of signature so then this means you you have to wait uh, to, you have to compromise this uh, responsiveness uh, for example bitcoin uh, you depend on some time you wait for some number of blocks that are added over the top of the chain or you wait some specific time to be confident that the block is committed so you depend on time rather than on event and that makes this protocol slow and and uh, kind of inefficient and and then it also uh, true for other bft based protocols like um uh, uh, uh for example algorithm they on or any other consensus protocol that has scaled very uh, to a large number they have to compromise this responsiveness and then when you compromise the responsiveness then generally you uh make a strong synchrony assumption because you depend on some time and that kind of um uh makes the protocol uh, not only slower but depending on time to make decision can also make a protocol vulnerable to um uh denial of service attacks for example you assume that after some specific time all the message of honest nodes will be delivered now if if there is some denial of service attack or some problem with the network and these messages are not delivered then your protocol you may have a liveness failure so it's and if you increase this time bound to be safe then your performance greatly decreases so it's it's kind of a very tricky area uh the other um this is the main trade off the other trade off is like you then you have to introduce them to compromise the finality so you might have forks in your in your chain and that it also kind of is related to the to the responsiveness so then you have to make sure you have to wait enough time to make sure which fork will be accepted or you have to come up with some rule to uh finalize which fork is basically the uh, uh the uh valid fork or the uh, that the protocol should um that you should accept so these the, the, these are uh generally the compromises that you have to make sometimes you uh the latency you have to compromise the latency so maybe uh you by increasing the scalability then maybe you introduce some type of message propagation mechanism um 
uh, where a single node should not have to uh, uh, propagate the message to larger groups. So they, they have to propagate message to a smaller group kind of gossiping. And then uh, generally, instead of constant latency, then you compromise the latency a little bit, maybe to the log end or maybe higher than that. So that's these are the general um, uh, trade-offs that uh, one, one make. So overall, then it's, it's, it's hard to have a blockchain protocol or we don't have any blockchain protocol that scales and then it, it can support applications that requires low latency so we cannot run such applications over highly scalable blockchain uh, and that's 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 the uh, uh, reason because either we have higher number of forks and we do not have responsiveness and it depends on time and we have uh, we have to wait for a response. Uh, we have to wait for a long time to make sure the protocol guarantees um, liveness. Would a protocol like Solana that has high transaction throughput um, is there a way to scale the consensus of something like that to have thousands of validators, or is it, I guess, largely not possible? I I haven't uh, studied the uh, Solana in a very uh, in in a um, very detailed manner. I have yeah. looked at it uh, 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 very briefly, but um, it it is it is possible. We think it's possible. That's one of the work that we do at the status that uh, we think it is possible to achieve uh, high scalability. And um, and uh, responsiveness and um, finality and immediate finality, a very fast finality. Um, but there has to be some changes to be made to the core of protocol. I think um, maybe it's uh, I I'm not in a position to say if it's possible with the Solana or not, because it requires a lot of analysis and. <laughs> And uh, uh, analysis as well has a discussion, but uh, what we are, uh, the way we are working at the status and based on our research, I think that's possible. Uh, uh, and we are trying to achieve this goal. When you look at something like um, the proof of stake system that Ethereum has put in place and uh, now running on after the merge, how do you see that in terms of the landscape of consensus algorithms? Because it's somewhat of a combination of proof of work and proof of stake and whether yeah. or not that's a like a viable way of scaling. Because it, it seems as though they've made quite a bit of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not the right word. They, they are limited in the amount of people that can scale and do it but it's 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 a it's a more novel way of trying to approach consensus that i've seen from a lot of the other variants of proof of stake out there yes it's it's novel way and then i guess it it, it needs uh, further analysis to uh, to to determine uh, uh, but um, th there have been works on trying the kind of hybrid uh, mechanism it's, it's kind of also a bit safer um, 
to do that. And it, 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 it seems to be like a, um, a intelligent solution. Um, but I think uh, because the, the, there is the protocol cannot be always uh, analyzed or uh, you cannot uh, reach a... Um, you cannot make your view about a protocol until you analyze it properly with all different use cases. But apparently, it it looks a, 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 a good solution. Though, yes, uh, with with scaling to a large number of nodes, as you say, then there there might be uh, problems uh, with the uh, protocol because. As I said, this problem has not been uh, addressed before. And then also, there is uh, there is also uh, the, the as far as I know, the the the, the protocol has this uh, finality uh, issue too. So there can be forks, and then you have to make sure which which fork will eventually be selected. So there is uh, this, and, and this is not only this, this is kind of ongoing problem. So it's it's not that this this is some and any protocol that tries to scale or kind of when you combine the PBFT with the proof of work or P, proof of stake with proof of work, then kind of you uh, somehow inherit the problems from both sides. So when you inherit kind of, sometimes uh, you inherit so you not only inherit the positive aspects of both protocol, but sometimes you also inherit those um, uh, issues that are underlying within each of these protocols. So um, I, I think this is an intelligent, uh, uh, um, a, a good start, but uh, yeah, let, let's see how, yeah, how they can further improve that. And 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 is is there a space, or if if if, um, uh, if if there is a space that further improvements can be done to address to make to introduce like a, a, a finality, uh, we uh, and further scale it to larger set of nodes. So this 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 needs like a, I think a further research work. What's the difference between a leader, a leader versus a leaderless protocol, and why is a protocol with a leader clearly better? Because I mean, it's got direction. Yeah. So with the leader, it's it's easier to serialize the requests because there's a one leader that serializes requests and broadcasts or sends it to everyone, and then everyone has to agree on that. Uh, on on these uh, sequence of values, so it's, it's it's relatively easier. The complex part is that when this leader is fails or when this leader is malicious, that's that this changing of leader is called weave change. That's that's kind of tricky part, and that's one of the bottlenecks. And when you have a leader, one other uh, performance issue that you can have with the leader protocol is that leader might have limited bandwidth. So when the leader broadcasts some, um, leader uh, broadcasts some messages or send a message, it may take longer time for everyone to receive it. So leader is kind of a point of bottleneck for the performance. And 
similarly, when nodes receive a message and all leader-based um, protocols, then the leader waits for some response from nodes before sending the next proposal. So during this time, no messages sent or no pro uh, no messages pro uh, propagated while leader waits for the response from others. So this time is kind of wasted. This, during this time, the protocol is kind of blocked. So uh, these are the main um, issues with the leader-based um, uh, consensus protocols. But with the leader list, then, since everyone is leader, everyone is broadcasting message. So you are continuously receiving data to agree on to do some operation. Um, but the problem is that the synchronization problem, when you have many leaders and everyone is broadcasting some message, so how you order them, mm -hmm. what you do with the dependency of them and how you agree on this order. And then in cases of blockchain, because we, we tend to agree on a single uh, batch of messages or block instead of uh, a single transaction, then there's high probability that large number of blocks that we are receiving from different um, uh, proposals, they will have some common transaction or their intersection is not empty. This means we have to um, only accept one of them and then throw away the other blocks because they have repeated transactions or duplicate transactions. So we are wasting resources. So this is why this, if, if we see, uh, if we see in the uh, academic world, almost all of the leaderless protocols that we have are, are have been generally tested with the less than 100 nodes. So you basically mm. can't scale them uh, with thou to thousands, thousands of nodes, because you cannot receive thousands of trans uh, blocks and then only choose one of them, and and then you throw away nine hundred nine hundred ninety nine of them. So that's like mm. huge waste of resources. And then you have to calculate dependency, and then you have to kind of verify these signatures. So that 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 gets quite expensive. Uh, so there have been uh, some recent work by um, Dahlia um, uh, and uh, Alexander Spiegel. So they kind of have separated the, uh, the consensus layer from, uh, uh, from the network layer, um, and they use DAGs. Uh, but uh, because the consensus, whenever the consensus is blocked or the consensus logic, the nodes are busy calculating something or verifying some message, the networking layer is still propagating data. So this kind of improves the throughput a lot uh, and they have shown it. Uh, but the main problem that uh, has still not been addressed, the scalability, like these protocols still have cannot scale to thousands of nodes, although they, they showed that this protocol can achieve uh, a very good um, throughput when the number of nodes are small, like in the range of 50, 60, or 70. But uh, the scalability issue with the leaderless is still there. Mm. Yeah, but if we want to compromise the latency and throughput, then you can have a um, leaderless protocol that can scale.
Do you think there's a place for application-specific blockchains, like the way that uh, Axie Infinity launched their own chain to support, you know, most of their application-specific activity, or is it all just let's let's roll up into some L1? This is a, a great question. I think a single uh, blockchain protocol may not be able to um, fulfill all the requirements. Eventually, we might need multiple chains, multiple protocol or application-specific protocol. In uh, uh, use case, yeah, definitely use case or application-specific spe- uh, protocols. And then maybe you can have one large chain which kind of provide that um, basis of trust and cases of dispute. And then you can have like multiple different smaller chains that are kind of application specific because you cannot have like multiple large chains for each application that that can also be like a, a kind of um, expensive. Uh, so uh, as uh, scalable, we will be that you can have a um, that's one way. There might be many other ways, but we can have one uh, main chain and then that can have multiple uh, other smaller chains can emerge from it and interact with it. Then this also brings us to a new topic of how these chains then spoke with each other, how we set up the bridges between chains, uh, how the interaction occurs between them. That's another uh, 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 question. Uh, so recently, there's a, a work by David C. that they they have a proof of stake based protocol, but then they use Bitcoin as kind of trust anchor. And so uh, if if uh, if there is some conflict or some dispute between the nodes and the network, then they con- contact um, Bitcoin uh, uh, to they go to the Bitcoin to resolve it. Uh, so they they had this also helped them to improve the uh, liveness bound. So now that protocol can tolerate more than one third faults. But again, the issue is that when you when you have a dispute or when you want to rely on a Bitcoin, then this this dispute resolution takes very long time because Bitcoin itself is slow. So if you have a trust anchor, a very uh, a highly scalable large network that can be used as a trust anchor by other uh, smaller networks. And then that one is efficient. Then that that basically helps to Im- improve the performance of all those other sub-networks that interact with you or use you as a trust source. Hmm. That that springboards nicely. And one of the questions I had was that if, if we're spending all of our time now trying to increase performance in all of the various directions simultaneously of distributed consensus, where does that leave proof of work blockchains? Do you still still see a space for them across the blockchain networks that will live on for a long period of time? Like, is it going to be these trust anchors or is it uh, something else? I I guess they, they, like trust anchor, being a trust anchor is a good use case. And also other use cases which might require high uh, trust, but the, the performance is not that uh, important requirement, uh, then then it, it can be used. But generally for um, uh, daily use cases, I think uh, if, if we see humans, people generally prefer um, high performance uh, 
yeah if, if if they they are using a service and it's slow then like they they just stop although it's it's not with the bitcoin like the bitcoin is a really successful protocol i think it will stay it it, it has a, a great use cases and and there are works being done to imp- further improve uh, its performance but but there but i think there is also a need for a protocol to provide the same level of scalability and 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 trust and decentralization but uh, a way more efficient um, uh, performance uh, so but i think there's still uh, bitcoin has some great properties um, and that will make it stay for for long i agree i agree I know there's a lot of Ethereum people out there that would not agree, but Bitcoin's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Bitcoin has its own camp, Ethereum has its own camp, but all all of them, yeah. Clan. That's they a good word. You will all stay for very long. I like that word. I got um Are you starting using clans yeah, now? Yeah, I'm gonna start using clans now because they act like they act like a bunch of hooligans. But right, yes, yeah, anyway. so I, I think maybe some some number of followers like Switch or or some newcomers who try different protocols and then mm-hmm. uh, join the uh, some protocol based on like maybe based on the performance or security guarantees or whatever but but it, but we will have some followers for each of these for protocols. sure socially i mean i've seen this before i saw it back in the 90s east coast versus west coast and we all know how that ended uh but i have actually have a question mo if you if you're gonna make Say you're today, right now. You're gonna sit down. You're gonna make Mo Chain uh, with Mo Coins, and you got to decide what consensus protocol you're gonna implement um, now, today. Maybe you change it later. You know, pull it Ethereum. But today, right now, you're gonna you're gonna have a consensus protocol. What do you? What's the most census? Oh, census. Uh, when that that's a very hard question, but. Is it no census? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we we are well we are working to develop um, the consensus protocol that basically I I I kind of dreamt of that that has high scalability and and high performance um, uh, and and uh, responsiveness uh, through that we have highly scalable protocol which means. It's decentralized um, and it's reliable because when you have high scalability, then this means you can tolerate large number of faulty nodes. So it's relatively secure, but then it's also very efficient. Um, that's something I want. And and we don't have it, something like that recently. Mm-hmm. And until now, we don't have it. If someone uh, build it, maybe, yeah, but but that, that that's what I want. But uh, I should also point it out that not all use cases need such a protocol. So there can be some use cases, for example, when you have um, uh, micro transactions between users. So uh, then maybe a good solution for them will be to use specific uh, uh, application related uh, specific chains or uh, some kind of layer two solutions. 
but for as uh, far as consensus protocol goes, I guess uh, scalability plus performance is something that we all want, which we don't. We either have one or other of it. That we don't have both of them together. So, yes. Um, but there is also another um, requirement that is emerging uh, that's called uh, fairness. So uh, then we have like different level of fairness. For example, at the very um, uh, specific level, fairness of transactions means that uh, a proposal should not be able to um, to change the order of the transactions or uh, so that they will be able to perform some kind of front runner attack and 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 get benefit from it uh, in case if there is some bidding or something like that so when so some of the protocols recently are working uh, are moving in this direction too so they, they add this additional requirement that in addition to maybe high performance the protocol should also have a, a uh, an additional property of fairness and uh, and and this uh, this basically then adds another dimension which also affects the design of the consensus protocol mm -hmm. uh, that's that's something that yeah people are looking at for in the future too this how do you uh, objectively approach fairness though it seems like subjective is built into the word so how do you how do you even approach that it's about removing the ability about removing the ability to change things yes okay if you can't do it then it's fair well uh, yeah so with respect to track transaction ordering alone if we just look at that one that one by itself if you can't change things you can't optimize the ordering of transactions or insert things at the last minute as a proposer, then it's more fair because things like the the, mm. the assumptions of what the person submitting a transaction are are constant by the time it gets to be finalized. Gotcha. Okay. Are anything is there anything out there right now that's not fair? Most of everything. <laughs> Everything's not fair. <laughs> Why do you think MEV is such a big deal? If yeah. yeah, Ethereum is all like not fair under yeah. those. And then Bitcoin's not fair. Everyone is not fair. Bitcoin, uh, uh, not fair. it's it, it's hard to de to uh, prove that Bitcoin is not fair. But this these randomness, these proof of work, kind of adds this uh, this aspect of fairness to it because you don't know who's who will be the one to first will calculate the. The nonce or solve that proof of work. Mm -hmm. and so this this kind of adds that it makes like a probably like it makes it more probabilistic yeah. on who you would go to to try and change ordering. Whereas with most with all proof of stake work, uh, algorithms, like you you know who the proposer is going to be, so you go bribe them mm. ahead of time. And so there's a lot of work being done to try and remove the ability to know who's going to be the proposer uh, beforehand, or at least like put them in a large set of people. Like a an anonymity set, so that you it's it's not feasible to try and bribe all of them or understand who it's going to be. Okay. Yes, but then this this also adds uh, this also makes the designing the protocol uh, um, adds to the complexity of designing the protocol because now you have another dimension to take care of. <laughs> and then uh, this was uh, what we discussed. This is one aspect of fairness. So there is also for 
another aspect that, for example, for the validators, whoever becomes proposer, and when its block is added into the chain, that proposer gets some reward. Now, if there are some group of malicious proposers who kind of are can successfully create a fork in the chain, and then they kind of their these malicious fork wins eventually. So this honest node or honest validator or leader may not get the reward because uh, it's uh, it's fork or it's uh, uh, proposal is, is orphan now. So now you can, so some protocols also allow that. So even if, so if you behave honestly, your blocks or proposals may not end up in the chain and you will not earn rewards where the other are, the other can collude against you and then they, they, they will always win the reward. But even if your selected has a leader or your proposal ended in the block and the chain it will not be finalized so uh this this is also another level of fairness that you need to make sure because if if your protocol um takes into consideration the uh like if, if it uses the weight of the stack that you have for the decision then malicious nodes can simply prevent honest nodes from getting rewards and then they will increase their rewards and by creating forks and prevent honest nodes from adding their blocks to the chain. And after some time, the, the uh, relative stake of malicious nodes will increase in the network. So they will be getting slowly control the network. So this is like another aspect of the, um, fairness that uh, we need to be careful when you're uh, uh, designing the uh, consensus protocol and yeah um, uh, so has 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 we are moving now into the world of blockchains versus those previously when uh, consensus was only used for um, for providing some consistency data consistency now things become way more complex and the requirements are Way more different than uh, way more different and complex than what it used to be. That's a reasonable way to wrap up. Are there any questions that you would have liked us to ask that we didn't? I think I don't think so. Yeah. It's... All right. Well, let's wait for most census and <laughs> to change to change the game. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Ah, thank you. Thanks for hosting me. Thank you, everyone. Look out for part two of the Consensus Layer with Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin. And that is a great way to end <laughs>